We are so excited that Grubly Farms has a starter grower feed. If you're planning on getting 2022 chicks, check out Grubly Little Pecks for chicks ages 0 to 20 weeks. Grubly Farms is thrilled to offer the first ever starter grower feed that mimics a chicken's natural diet using insects and plants. Unlike other feeds, every peck is purposefully packed with sustainably grown grub protein and farm fresh ingredients that chickens naturally love. When your 2022 chicks arrive, you have the chance to feed the little ones the way nature intended with grubs, plants, vitamins, minerals, and probiotics to help them grow strong, healthy, and happy. This feed is non-medicated, corn-free, soy-free, and fish-free, and it's also non-GMO. And get this. It's delivered to your door just in time for your new flock members. Go to grublyfarms.com and use code DRINKINFARM to get 20% off your first order. Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What are you sipping on this morning? It is Costa Rica coffee. Ooh, so tropical compared to what is happening in our backyards right now. Yes, it felt <laughs> like an act of defiance to put it in my Alaska mug. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, so strategic over there. <laughs> I'm a rebel. I'm a rebel. Yes, you are. <laughs> what are you drinking in your Joy Farmer mug? Well, since we are recording rather early this day, I too am drinking coffee out of my Joy Farmer mug. And it is uh, still kind of on brand. It's Kahlua coffee. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Yes. My husband got me a really fancy Keurig for Christmas. And I got one of those multi-packs that come with like a bunch of different K-cups. Oh, yeah. I had a Kahlua one. I was like, I'm going to save this for when we record super early one day. Mm, (laughs) My favorite K-cups were always the donut flavor coffees. Yes. I forgot who did those. Maybe Dunkin' Donuts? or yeah the Cinnabon ones are good mm, too yeah those are good yeah. too I do kind of miss my Keurig we drink so much coffee over here though it only makes sense to brew a whole pot because and in fact we fight over the last bit in the coffee crap <laughs> <laughs> you like gotta stake out the coffee maker to get the last drop <laughs> and like I've only had three cups today <laughs> <laughs> I am not caffeinated enough <laughs> Oh, our drink peep this episode is our friend and teammate, Katie Montgomery. So cheers, lady. Cheers. All right. So I would say that at least for us, this episode is highly anticipated because I feel like we were on baby goat watch for a while. So today we're going to share about our recent kidding experiences with Maya and Tonks. Yeah, and what experiences they were. <laughs> yes, yes. I think this was, uh, these were both very different for both of us, too, given that, I mean, Maya's gone, to, oh gosh, I think this was her fifth round of babies, I think. And this was Tonk's second, right? Mm-hmm. So we're just going to talk through 
what happened and how they were different than previous births and maybe some of the things that we learned along the way. Yeah. And there was a lot for me this time. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Because you missed the first time, right? I did. Yeah. I missed her first kidding. I walked in right after they were born. So she hadn't even finished cleaning all three of them off when I got in there. So I like just barely missed it. Yeah. Oh. Yep. <laughs> I've had those before too. And it's like, oh man. <laughs> Darn it. But I mean, as long as they're healthy, like I'm good. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So Sam, why don't you start by telling us about Maya's kidding? Sure. So she had babies on January 22nd. So as we're dropping this, they'll be almost three weeks old by the time you all hear this. Right now they're about two weeks and they're doing great. But it was another random breeding. I don't know who the daddy is. (laughs) This is how she rolls. But it could either be a through the fence breeding, which... I don't know. Or B, it could be we, and this lines up with the timing pretty well, one of the last rounds of boys just got to her, got around his little vest thing, his little bib thing. Oh, yeah. Right before we castrated, because I walked it backwards. And one of the babies looks like one of Diana's kids from the last (laughs) time. And I'm like... Oh, I wonder if that was the daddy. (laughs) Yeah, it's a possibility. (laughs) Yeah. So we are definitely a pet quality breeder over here. Because I don't know what the genetics are, guys. (laughs) I just don't. It's like an episode of Maury over here. Like, we need to do the DNA test, find out who that daddy is. (laughs) It's hard to tell just by looking at them. Yes. One of the things that's really interesting about goats is their coloring doesn't necessarily come directly from what the dad or the mom looks like. Their coloring can be in their DNA. So you could know who the dad is and they come out and you're like, these don't look anything like either of them. And actually two of Tonk's boys are like that. (laughs) Oh man. So we got her in the pen a couple of days before the 22nd. I knew she wasn't ready Exactly, but I knew she had to be close because her udder was getting very close to what I call the oh damn Mm -hmm. pun kind of intended there. Because you can see their udder growth the couple days leading up because it does pick up. And when I feel like it looks like it's about to burst, that's when I know she's about to go. And also you have that hip sinking as well. So I noticed that. On Saturday morning, and I was like, oh boy, here we go. I bet you it's going to be today. And then I went out like around 11, and she wasn't there yet. And then I went out at 1, and I like made it just in time. Whoa. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like my spidey senses were tingling. So she wasn't in the barn for long before she went. No, no. So she was hanging out in there and doing her lay down, get up, lay down, get up thing. And I was like, okay, this is going to happen. And eventually she had the first one. I probably only had to wait like 10, 15 minutes. So I text Matt and I'm like, it's happening. And then he comes out and he's standing there with me for a while. And I was like, I promise, just give her a minute. (laughs) (laughs) And so she had her first one and she did a great job cleaning it up. Mind you, it was like freaking cold outside. It was in the teens. Yeah. So I'm really glad I was there to watch because I wanted to make sure she could keep up with cleaning however many she had. 
Mm-hmm. So it was about 15 minutes before between the first and second one. And it was getting to the point where I thought maybe she was just going to have one again. Because she only had one last time. Oh. But prior to that, she always dropped three. So I was like, well, maybe this is her new thing. I don't know. So I like kind of lifted the tail and I saw it was a girl. And I about like crapped myself because she's always thrown boys. So I'm like... <laughs> Oh my god, it finally happened. This is a miracle. Like, if you only have one and it's a girl, I will be so thrilled. Because, like uh, like I said, guys, this this wasn't planned and I can't keep them all. So, yeah. I thought I saw, like, the beginnings of the placenta starting to come out. But then I was like, no, she's still laying down. Usually when she's done, she stands up mm-hmm. pretty quickly. But then the second one came out. And so I was like, oh, cool. So I, like... Kind of put it up towards her so she could start cleaning it. And then another one comes out. And I'm like, okay, three. Okay, she's back to her old habit. And then she starts pushing again. <laughs> and I'm like, four? So she had quads, which is the first set of quads on the farm. And I'm very happy that she did that because she's an excellent mom. And she is our only registered doe. And she comes from pretty good milk lines, too. So I knew she would more than likely be able to keep up with four of them. Sometimes moms don't do so well with that many once you get up to like four or five. Yeah, they only have two teats. Yeah, (laughs) right. So it ended up being two girls, two boys. So yay. Ah, look at that. Yes, she did so good this time. (laughs) She got extra animal crackers. (laughs) Because she totally can control that. But, you know, it was really cold outside. Typically, I have gotten it down to being able to help encourage latching, doing the umbilical cords, and warming Maya within an hour. This one was a little different, and I was out there for four. (laughs) It was cold, and I'm laying around on the ground, you know, because... Their udders are so low to the ground that when they're trying to figure out how to latch, you kind of got to lay down and and see what they're doing and make sure they're actually getting a good latch and they're getting milk or colostrum out. And two of them were just taking forever to figure out where the teats were and how to, like, latch onto them. And it's just like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) You're like, no, please don't be bottle babies. (laughs) Yeah, so I finally just got to the point where I was like, they've gotten close enough so many times, or they did latch and just didn't do very long. So I was like, you know what, (sighs) leaving it up to Jesus at this point, I need to go like warm up and get dinner. Otherwise, I'm not going to be okay because with how cold it was. Yeah. And, you know, I come back outside a couple hours later and they're just eaten away oh so good Good. (laughs) so it was good that I followed my gut instinct that they were going to be okay if I felt like they weren't I would have probably toughed it out and stayed out there longer yeah but four hours is a really long time to be rolling around on the ground it is gosh yeah yeah (laughs) especially when it's in the teens (laughs) yes I also had to wait for Maya to give birth to her placenta Mm-hmm. And she always eats it, and she does really good with it. But you do kind of want to keep an eye on that if you can to make sure they don't choke on it. Mm-hmm. And she actually had two placentas this time. Oh, interesting. Yes. And that can happen when you get up there with multiple births or births with multiples. Technically, they can still get away with one placenta, 
But if your goat had like four kids with four placentas, I did some reading on that. And that could mean that you might not be feeding them properly. You're maybe feeding them too much and it's like an overdevelopment thing. Oh, okay. I don't know how true that is because I just did some quick Googling. So if somebody else has had that experience, let us know if you know more than we do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I thought it was kind of weird because I've never seen her do that or any of our goats do that before. Yeah. She had like one and a half of them. Oh. I think she was full. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she takes takes her time with it. But it's good for them, I guess. I don't know. So, yeah, we've made it through, at the time of this recording, almost two weeks now. And everybody's doing really good. Everybody likes their little heated hut that they're in right now because it has been really cold mm-hmm. the past couple of weeks. And we did go do our disbudding appointment earlier oh, this week. Nice. How'd that go? Yes. Well, it was kind of, I forgot that our uh, farm vet that I'm used to retired a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah. So we had a new one. So I think there are a couple, but I hadn't met this one yet, but she was super nice. And she actually gave me options for disbudding this time. Oh. Like, obviously, the last guy was older because he retired. Mm-hmm. And I think he was a little more old school, which I personally really don't mind. But she's younger. She's been practicing for, like, seven years. And she offered me either to do it in the box, which is what I'm used to, where you, like, numb them up and put them in the box and burn them off and nobody's really happy about it or we could sedate them and I'm like thinking like anesthesia is not super good for goats like yeah but what it is it's not an injection she makes them smell something oh and they like take a nap okay that sounds less dangerous than full-on anesthesia yes So I didn't ask a lot of questions about it and because I was unfamiliar with it and I kind of like to do some of my own Googling research at least. So I kind of have a few points of reference and maybe even read some other people's experiences before I say yes to something new. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't find exactly on the internet what it is that they're smelling that knocks them out. Okay. So next time I go, I'm going to just ask more questions about it. But she told me, you know, some people really, especially the first time they take their goats in to be disputed, they don't know what to expect and they like kind of freak out. Because uh, the goats in the box, like they feel pressure, numb everybody up with lidocaine beforehand. But it's kind of like an epidural where you're still going to feel pressure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. It takes reduces some of the pain, but you're going to feel pressure. Mm-hmm. So that's why, you know, they're screaming. And it's scary. Who wants to be put in a box? Yeah. yeah. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So some people really freak out if they don't know that's what disbudding entails. So she gives them a little nap and apparently oh. does it that way. And she said if she's got a lot to do at once, she tends to recommend that approach. <laughs> like she had to do nine at, at one appointment yeah. recently. So it probably just goes faster that way. It totally makes sense. Yeah. I have a question. When she's disbudding in the box, do you have to hold the baby also or the box does all the holding so she can do everything on her own with the baby in the box? Yeah, I think because she's been practicing so long, she kind of has it down to science. But sometimes if they don't fit exactly right in the box, I didn't notice she was kind of like holding them and just doing the iron one hand. Okay. Two? 
But the box helps contain them quite a bit. Okay. Well, I'm curious because I'm trying to decide what to do for these babies. I need to go ahead and order the iron just that I have it. My vet doesn't. I have a goat vet now, but she doesn't disbudge. She doesn't have the right tip for Nigerian dwarf goats. So I either have to buy the iron and do it myself, which I'll have to do it. But I'll have to do it by myself, which means I'll build the box and put them in it. But I wasn't sure if that was actually even possible. For this round, though, I might go to the person that I bought Huckleberry from and see if she'll disbud again. She was the one who disbudded all the babies last time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's for me personally, not something I'm interested in learning right now because I don't know and. I don't know if I have the stomach for it, to be honest. But if you, you know, if you're in a situation where you don't have a whole lot of options and you want to just bud your goats, like sometimes you just got to cowgirl up and do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I would drive a significant amount away to have somebody else do it. Yeah. The other lady is like 40 minutes, which isn't too bad. I'll totally drive it and have her do it if she's willing to. Just because two of them, two of mine do have horns. The other one's pulled. So, yeah. Oh. Yeah, because Tonks is pulled. So she always has one kid that's pulled. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. <laughs> I'm like, can all of them just be pulled so that I don't have to? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I almost thought we got lucky here, but it was just that the boy goats develop much faster than the girl goats. So mm-hmm. after like a couple of days, I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Everybody's got to go in. Mm-hmm. Oh, the other super weird thing this time, too. Previously, uh, the previous farm vet, he would inject the lidocaine kind of like around the horn base and do like four injections. This chick does like one injection kind of like behind and up a little bit above the eye. And I think that kind of like gets the whole area nice and numb. But... (laughs) It's weird because when you inject that way, sometimes it like irritates the eyes and makes them bug-eyed. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I had a couple of like bug-eyed goats. She's like, it'll go down in a couple hours. If it doesn't, just give us a call. Luckily, everybody went back to their cute, normal eyes because it was freaking weird. <laughs> like anime goats. <laughs> yes. It was creepy because it was also kind of like their eyelid was almost like kind of protruding it was it was gross i should have taken a picture of it but nobody busted their head open super bad so i feel like she did a really good job good just had like a little bleeding from one on the way home but not bad at all compared to some of the other times you know where stuff happens and they just like break it open Mm -hmm. or knock their heads yeah (laughs) so yeah so i think that is the highlight she did really good for having four. She's continued to do really well. I haven't been weighing anybody or anything. I'm just mostly watching to make sure their stomachs aren't concave or feeling for that. Making sure everybody's peeing and pooping. So I'll just stand there and watch them for a while. Just because it was a smooth birth and she's a good mama. So I feel like, you know, she's good to go there. Yeah. But yeah. So we have really good circumstance. Good. That's exciting. It's always nice when everything goes smooth into plan. Yes. (laughs) Which was not the case with Tonks. (laughs) No. No, it was not. 
<laughs> no. So Tonks had her kids on January 31st, and her estimated due date was January 30th. So she went a day late, which actually surprised me. Usually she goes a day or two early. Goats, in general, goats don't typically go any earlier than that, which is nice because I was out of town the week before she was due. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you needed her to be accurate. <laughs> yeah. So I needed her to be accurate. And it turns out she was, which was nice. The only thing is, is she was in the barn stall for four days without kids. And she was not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she let you know regularly. She did. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things about our barn, for those that don't know, is I don't have a barn camera. So I have to go out there and just go check every few hours to see what's going on. Which usually isn't that big of a deal, but it's January <laughs> and it's been ice yes. storming and very cold. Yes. <laughs> so that's definitely made that just a little bit more difficult. And I get lots of suggestions on barn cameras all the time, but my hang up on getting a barn camera is that I don't have internet in my barn and it doesn't get cell service in there either. It's just something about where the barn is oriented. It's like a dead spot. <laughs> for communications. So a camera doesn't do me any good out there. But thankfully, after this experience that I'll tell you about in a minute, my husband found a solution to that (laughs) and he ordered it already. So I might have it up by the third or the fourth kidding, probably not the second one that's getting ready to go. But what it is, is it's a company called Airstone and they have something called an air mesh hub. And you hang it on your farm and it will give you up to hundreds of acres of Wi-Fi repeating, essentially. So it catches onto your house Wi-Fi and it amplifies it out onto your farm so that you can have Wi-Fi coverage over your whole farm. And now we only need 12 acres, but we were like, well, you know, that should be able to get it into the barn. (laughs) Yeah, you'll have to let us know how that works because I might do that too because we've shut off most of our hotspots now. So I didn't have a barn camera this time either. Oh, you didn't? Oh my gosh. No. That probably felt different. So I was doing the same thing as you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Because usually you just get to check the camera and then you're like, oh, she's laying down. Time to go. (laughs) Yep. Or, oh, the babies are good to go. They're bouncing around. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been a little more like a let go and let God kind of situation (laughs) this time, which isn't a bad thing. And like, I feel okay about it because I know how she is as a mom. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's going to be five this year. So she's pretty consistent. So that kind of helps. Yeah. Just go around, but it is super weird not having it. So I'll definitely be looking into that if it's working well for you. Yeah, I'll let I'll let everybody know. But there will be a link in the show notes to it for anybody who feels like they need that and want to go check it out. It had really good reviews, so I'm excited about that. So because I don't have a barn camera, I had to keep going in and checking on her. And on Monday, which was a work day, I went and on <laughs> checked on her like three times. And then at around 4.30, I was thinking to myself... I can go out there now or I can just wait until chore time because I've already been out there three times. And so I was like working and I thought, no, you know what? I'll go pop in on her really quick and then I'll just come back to my desk and work until six. It'll be fine. Well, I went out there and (laughs) she had had a kid. Oh, (laughs) surprise. Just had one. It was still in the sack and everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
So he wasn't cleaned off or anything. So I was like, oh, wow, I like just barely missed this. So I text Jared and I told him, hey, Tonks is having her babies. I'm going to just hang out here and watch. And he was on a meeting, so he couldn't come join. But she had the baby. She was cleaning it off. And then she gets up and walks around and starts her lay down and get up thing to have the second one. And nothing comes. I was like, oh, "Oh, well, that's weird. Like, she just pushed really hard. I feel like some progress should have been made. Like, I should have at least seen something. And I have not witnessed a goat birth yet. So I thought, well, maybe this is normal. Maybe I just have the wrong impression on what a goat birth is supposed to look like. So she gets up. She walks around a little bit. She has a contraction while she's standing. And a water bubble comes out. So the water sack comes out. And I was like, oh, well, that's normal. That's one of the things that could happen, right? Depending on how hard the contraction was, maybe just part of the water sack came out. And then her next push, she'll push the baby out. Well, that didn't happen. She kept laying down and getting up and laying down and getting up. And then she pushed another time and a second water sack came out. So she had like two bubbles hanging out. And I'm like, that's really weird. That's definitely from a second sack that cannot be the first sack like twisted and like you know (laughs) right it's super weird and but again I've never seen a goat birth before so I was like well maybe both of these water sacks just need to break and then one of the kids will come out and then the next one you know will come out after she did end up breaking the sacks while she was walking around because she was just like she's pacing around the barn and then getting down and getting oh. up and getting down and getting up and then pacing. And then she'd lay down and she'd push for a little bit and then nothing would happen. And so finally, I was like, okay, I need to I need to look something up. The barn's a dead spot, so I can't Google it. And I didn't want to leave, so I texted Jared and had him have Aurora bring up my holistic goat birth book because I had all the birth sections flagged. Yeah. So I was like, well, maybe I can find something about a two placenta in here. So you know, Tonks is still wandering around trying to push things. I'm like flipping through a book, <laughs> and there's nothing about water sack. It just talks about how the water sack can come out first, and then the kid comes out, and that's it. But there's nothing about there being a possibility of two of two of them coming out. So I thought, well, this has got to be weird. Well, she pushed for about 45 minutes, which is a really long time between babies. And I, in hindsight, I should have gone and checked her sooner. But I wanted to just let Mother Nature take its course because I didn't want to intervene if I didn't need to. And she still had lots of energy. So we weren't in like crisis mode yet. But she was in a lot of pain, like you could tell. Like, I don't think I'll ever get those sounds out of my ears. I think I will hear that for forever. It was like nothing I've ever heard from any of our goats before. But Jared came in after he was done with his meeting and I had already grabbed gloves and had them in my pocket and I put one on and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just put my fingers in there and do like a swoop to see what I can feel because then I can have an idea of whether it's a head or a butt, or feet, or, you know, like, what's happening in here. The first time I did it, I actually didn't feel anything. So the babies were still pretty far back. And I didn't go very far. Like, I went up to, like, to my knuckles. So, like, I just did, like, a swoop on, like, the outer edges. And she didn't like it when I did that. But she did stand still, (laughs) which was good. (laughs) Because that would have made it way harder. So then, so then I waited until she had a contraction and I did it again and went a little further and then I could feel, oh, those are feet, which is good because normally the way a baby goat comes out is it like comes out like a diver. 
So it's got its two two hooves, and then the nose is like kind of like tucked in between the two hooves, so that they come out like a straight dive. It's all smooth, no edges to catch anywhere on the way out. That's like an ideal birthing position. And in fact, I did learn that a breech birth is an, is normal presenting if the feet come first, and it's not butt first. A breech birth is oh, fine, okay, because it's just okay. the backwards diver. You have a hard time getting the head yeah. out because it's a little bigger. So you've got to, you know, probably help with that. But so after that, I reached in again and pulled just a little bit during the contraction because I was like, well, let me get these feet out and then maybe she can push the baby out the, the rest of the way. I get the feet out, maybe like three inches of the feet are showing. And I'm like, these are back feet. Oh. And Jared's looking at him and he's like, no, I don't think so. I think those are front feet. And I was like, no, I feel like those are back feet. So we go get the other kid and we're like holding the goat kid like up to <laughs> Tonks's rear end, like looking at the hooves to like try to figure yeah. it out. And I'm like, gosh, I can't tell. So I went in again with my glove. I was being really careful to keep it clean since I kept going in and out. I wasn't touching anything else with that hand. And I felt around like the body of the kid. I got far enough up that I could feel the body of the kid. I'm like, I can't tell if this is a butt or a tail or a head. Like it all felt the same to me. (laughs) And now that I've been in, I think I could tell the difference. And I did think that I felt a head. So I was just like, well, maybe it is positioned right. It's just too big and it's not coming out. So what I realize happened now that it's over is the one kid was backwards and breached. So it was a butt and a tail that I was feeling. And the head that I thought I was feeling was the other kid. Oh, That's one of the things that can happen is they get like kind of crossed in there. So when you're feeling for goat kid parts and you're trying to figure out what to pull on, you need to make sure that you're pulling the parts from the same kid, if that makes sense. Because you can easily grab onto two legs that you think are from the same kid, and it turns out they're two different kids, and you're not going to make any progress that way. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. They can get kind of wrapped up around each other like pretzels in there. So at this point, like Tonks was getting really weak. She had been pushing for over 45 minutes. We weren't making any progress. All I had was feet out a few inches, and I had pulled a handful of times, so I was being really careful at how hard I pulled because I was just like, I need, like, I don't want to pull this kid apart. I don't want to hurt Tonks. Like, all of the books say pull gently, so that's what I'm doing. I'm just kind of trying to, like, gently guide him down. And then she started getting, like, she laid down, and she was just, like, panting, and her eyes were, like, rolling in the back of the head, her head, and she was, like, not moving anymore. So I was like... Jared, go get the Nutri-Drench. She needs energy. And we'll see if we can get her enough energy to get this kid out. They're like, this is go time. Either she's going to die and the kids are going to die, or I have to pull this kid out and give her a chance at life, regardless of what happens to the kid. So I grabbed the kid's feet, like both feet with both hands, and I pulled so hard. I was sore the next day. That's how hard I had to work to get this kid out. I tried to just pull with her contractions, but that wasn't very easy because they weren't coming very often because she was weak and tired. So finally, I was just like, I have just got to pull this out. Yeah. So I'm pulling, pulling, pulling. I got the kid about halfway out and it started kicking. So I was like, 
oh my gosh. Oh, yay. <laughs> like, the kid's kicking. That means that the kid is still alive. Like, I have a chance to save this kid. So then I was, like, kind of reinvigorated because I was like, I'm not pulling a dead kid. I'm pulling a live kid out. And I did have to, I got him pulled all the way out to the shoulders. Then I had to put my hand back in there to, like, push the head down to get the head to come out. And then as soon as the kid came out, the third kid, like, fell out <laughs> right behind it. It was amazing. <laughs> he was just ready to come out. <laughs> yeah, it was totally ready to be born, which was great. But then, you know, t- poor Tonks had to try to clean two kids at once. So I did end up helping she her was a so bit. Tired. Yeah, she was. Yeah. She was so tired. But the um, Nutrigenge actually really did give her a boost. It was night and day. I was so glad that I had it on hand. Like, total game changer for her. When I did get the breach kid out, though, I put her straight to Tonks. And then he wasn't moving anymore. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, that was just too much. Like, I pulled too hard. I pulled something apart or, like, I broke a bone or, you know, something. And Because, you know, kids yeah. are, like, super floppy. So heads, like, just, like, flopping around. Yeah. I was like, oh, no. I, I was like, I, I thought I had broke his neck. That was how hard I pulled. But then I grabbed a towel. I was like, well, the other one was alive and wasn't getting cleaned out of its poor sack. But I thought, like, this one's needs immediate attention. So I'll get to that one in just a second. I grabbed a towel and I rubbed him just, like, really hard, like, over and over and over again because I was trying to clean him. I was trying to, like, get some blood movement and warmth um, because it's 20 degrees outside or it's 20 degrees in the barn. So it's cold and they're all wet. (laughs) And I'm wet because I had just pulled a... (laughs) baby out like into my lap like it was like it was like a human birth <laughs> like it just like because oh I just like pulled him into me that was how hard I was pulling and Tonks was cleaning his nose which was great because that was probably helping him like stimulate him to breathe and then he started breathing and kicking and I was like okay this is awesome like he came back now let's get over to the other kid and Tonks is a great mom even though she was really weak she laid there for just a few minutes so while she was laying there licking them I was helping with the towel and kind of getting everybody like dried off because it was so cold I was like I don't want any kids to freeze now after all of that right right (laughs) like we have to like this has to work (laughs) and then Everybody was like, okay. It did take a long time to get them to nurse. And it was a really long, long time because I was soaked. I was cold. I was tired. I was sore. But it, we did get them to latch a, a couple of times. And actually, I, re- I went inside and I grabbed a like a two cup measuring cup and a syringe. And I milked Tonks a little bit. And I syringed oh, some colostrum cool. into them like right away before like right after everything was done just because I was like they need energy too like they are yeah that was a lot yeah it was it was a lot and I was also really concerned because they didn't have a very good sucking reflex and you can check a goat kid's sucking reflex by putting your finger in their mouth they should suck pretty vigorously like once they're dry and warm and like kind of going like are ready to nurse they should have a sucking reflex and neither of them really did but I thought well I'll go ahead and go take my shower and then I'll come back and check on everybody because Tonks is a good mom I know that she's going to be nosing them to get under there to figure it out then I'll check on everyone well, after I took a shower, I went back out there. <laughs> I took a shower and blow dried my hair so that I was dry because it was too cold to be wet. I went back out there. Kids still just, they just didn't seem right. And they were cold. Like their, like their ears were cold to the touch. The inside of their mouth was cold. They were like shaking. And I was like, well, I need to get them warmed up. That's why they're not eating. Yeah. A cold kid can't eat either. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'll just 
hang out with them in front of the heater. I was rubbing them both down, trying to warm them up. And I did that for like 30 minutes and they never perked up during that. And so I was like, well, I need to bring these kids inside so that I can warm them up. And I put them in a laundry basket with a towel and a heating pad. And then they sat in my bathroom while I took another bath because while I was trying to warm the kids up, I sat in amniotic fluid. (laughs) (laughs) But of course. And I sat in it for so long that it soaked all the way through to my underwear. It was the grossest feeling I've ever had in my entire life. I was like, and I was in my bibs too. It soaked through my quilted bibs and through my pants and through my underwear. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's pretty gross. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would feel pretty subhuman at that point. Yeah, I did. I felt super subhuman. So I was like, well, put the babies in front of a heater with a heating pad and their blanket. They were really quiet. And I was just soaking in the bathtub. And I was thinking through, like, what am I going to do if these kids, like, don't rally? I don't really have anything, like, for them necessarily. I did end up giving them each a pump of Nutri-Drench once we got into the barn. But before we went back out into the barn, while I was taking my bath, suddenly they both just, like, popped up and started making noise and tails wagging. They are like, aggressively rooting at the laundry basket. So I was like, oh, they're ready to eat now. (laughs) That was what it was. They just (laughs) needed to get warm. (laughs) And I took them back out. And they nursed. It was still a struggle, but they did nurse. So it was like, all right, we're good now. I can leave them out here for the night. I don't need to have them sleep with me. I'm going to go rest because I am just like exhausted. I've had insomnia for the last couple of weeks. So I did wake up at two o'clock in the morning and then ended up going out there to go check on them. And everyone was doing okay. But I did go out there with a bottle of kid colostrum just because I needed, I wanted to see food go in them in order to sleep for the rest of the night. Um, And everyone took the bottle okay and, you know, took a few good drinks. They're tiny, so they don't drink a lot. (laughs) Right, right. And that means it can be really hard to catch them nursing, Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. Because they do little bits frequently. Yep. Kind of like a newborn baby, human baby. So, yeah, it can be tricky. But those first 24 hours are so critical that if you're not seeing it happen, it's definitely like makes sense to be helping them out. Yeah, I just I wanted to make sure that they had all of the energy they could possibly have to try to get over the traumatic birth hump. (laughs) That all of you had. Yeah, that all of us had. (laughs) And they did. You know, one of the ways that I made sure that they were eating was I did weigh them right after they were not right after they were born. I weighed them when we went back out after my first shower. Everyone was over three pounds, which was kind of amazing, actually. Yeah, they were big. That's really good. Kids. Yeah. And maybe that's why there was a little struggle there, too, Mm -hmm. was because she had heavy load of babies in there (laughs) yeah a heavy load of and they were all boys oh boys in general tend to be bigger than the girls they end up taking more of the energy and the nutrients in utero (laughs) yeah and when I weighed them that night again at I weighed them at two o'clock in the morning they were actually just a like maybe just like an ounce or two heavier which was perfect That meant that they had had something in their bellies and they hadn't lost any weight. So I felt really good. The next day, I ended up taking off of work just because I couldn't. Oh, I just like I I woke up that morning and checked on everyone at like 630 in the morning. Everyone was alive. 
Nobody was like super peppy, but I wasn't necessarily expecting that. <laughs> they were just alive. Tonks was being caring and I watched the baby's nurse. They were getting up. They were able to stand. They were walking over to her. And I just thought, you know what? I'm going to take today off work. That way I can be out here as much as I want to. I can relax. It can give me an opportunity to kind of decompress from all of that. And plus we have this ice storm blowing in and I can use the time to prep <laughs> for the ice storm. <laughs> yes. Yeah. At least she did it before the ice storm. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness she did it before the ice storm. And that's exactly what I did. And it felt great. I made some goat sweaters, which actually I, I feel like None of them were fully warm until I made the goat sweaters. I do feel like they made a big difference. <laughs> and they love wearing them. It's so great. So I'm relieved. I thought that they would hate them. But no, I seem to be enjoying them, which is awesome. And something else that I haven't mentioned yet that I did for Tonks is right after the delivery, because it was so traumatic and I had to go in with my hand, I texted the vet and asked her to give us a shot of antibiotics. And oh, um, good idea. Yeah, she got new floor and it was five cc's for her. Tonks weighs about 85 ish pounds. I kind of had to estimate, but I think I feel like that's pretty close. And I did that because when, when you introduce bacteria, into that area, it can cause so many problems for the mama goat. And I just like, was like, she needs a preventative antibiotic. And she had gotten one during her last kidding because she retained her placenta during the last kidding. That's right. Yeah. This kidding, she did not retain her placenta. She ate most of it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Which is great. She probably needed it. Yeah. After all of that, she needed the energy from it. And she did great after the antibiotic shot. The antibiotic shot is painful for them, oh. which is kind of a bummer. And I, I actually, I couldn't have the vet out to give it to her because I was still on COVID isolation. So oh. I, so no one could come to the farm to like, like come help, or at least I wasn't going to ask them to. I was towards the end of it, but still like, I just like didn't want to, I, I didn't want to expose any of them. Yeah. yeah. Because I did have Omicron and it's super, super contagious. Right. <laughs> like all you gotta do is look at someone with Omicron and you end up with it. <laughs> like just even like a side eye, like, yeah, <laughs> got ya. So getting the shot was a little tricky because I couldn't leave to go to the vet to go pick it up <laughs> and I couldn't have the vet come to the farm. So she dropped off to the clinic and one of my friends, um, my friend Nate picked oh. it up on the way home from work. Um, and he brought it by and he came in and like he got to see the babies and, and loved it and gave me the shot. And so I had to administer it myself and I, I do our vaccinations myself. But a 5cc antibiotic shot was something a little different because she did not like it. They stand still for the CD&T shot, did not stand still for the antibiotic. So I got about three and a half cc's of it in behind her front arm. Like that's usually where I can pull the skin back to get it sub Q. And then I didn't want to put it in the same spot after she had fought me and gotten the needle out. So I did the back leg and did the last one cc and a half. And she wasn't happy about that either. She kept glaring at me <laughs> after it was done. Yeah. Thankfully, though, the vet had written on the bag that there would be pain at the injection site. So I was prepared. Yeah. So I put her in the milk stand because normally I would have just stood in there and done it because they don't flinch for the CD&T. Or at least mine don't. <laughs> but when I saw that on the bag, I was like, 
this is a milk stand. This is a milk stand kind of shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think semi antibiotics, I don't know if it, that one is, but sometimes they're a little thicker too. So it takes a little. It was a big needle. Yeah. yeah. So it takes more effort because of the needle and the thickness. But yeah. Yeah. Goats don't like ivermectin injections either. And we've had to do that for mites. Yeah. Not COVID for mites. (laughs) And it stings real bad. And what's funny is my buck, intact buck goats are the ones that are the most dramatic about it. Oh, yeah. (sighs) So dramatic. But they're okay. Like, everybody else did pretty okay with it. Like, clearly they weren't pleased. But they were, like, falling over and acting like they were stroking out. (laughs) Which is scary the first time you give something because you don't know like maybe they are having an anaphylactic response no they're just drama kings it's just dramatic yeah my intact butt goats always act like they're gonna faint when i'm trimming their hooves (laughs) yes oh gosh how dare you yeah so in the end everything has turned out really well tonks and the babies are thriving which is great And I wasn't necessarily expecting that. I thought I was going to get them out alive. Like, once I got them out alive, I was like, all right, well, I got everyone out alive. But I'm not holding out hope that everybody's going to stay healthy. Because, like, it just seems like a lot. (laughs) Right. When they're in there for a while, too, they can inhale all kinds of fluid. And that can get into their lungs. Like, you just don't know until you can watch them for a little bit. Yep, exactly. And they were, like, squeezed in the birth canal together for about 45 minutes. And next time that happens, I'm going to sweep further back and more around like I'm going to try to make sure that I get 360 degrees because I think that what could have made a difference and made this go faster is if I had realized that what I thought was a head that I was feeling and was the head of the other goat I can push that goat back and Ah. pull the other one forward a little bit and then it's the only one in the birth canal and then maybe you don't need so much force to pull them out but I do want to let everybody know that if you feel like there's just no alternative and you're not making any progress and you know that you need to get that goat kid out, like don't hesitate to pull as hard as you think that you need to. Like I used every ounce of strength that I had. Jared was just standing and watching and helping with tonks, like giving her the nutrients and stuff. And I almost asked him to grab a glove and help pull. Like that was how hard I was pulling. (laughs) Like it was just like, I don't have any strength left. So it's encouraging for anybody who hasn't had to experience that yet. If you do end up experiencing it, that you can have a good outcome even going through all of that trouble. So don't necessarily lose hope right off the bat, like I did. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's pretty traumatic for you for that to be the first one you really witnessed. You had to, like, dive right in. Like, I've been extremely lucky. We've been doing this for, like, three or four years. Never had to glove up and go in. Yeah. But it's always in the back of my head to be ready. And you just have to, like, let your instincts and your knowledge for what you Googled before kick in. And Mm -hmm. that's intense, though. So does, like, Jared find you more attractive now, do you think, now that you've done that? Because it's pretty badass. I don't know. He hasn't said anything. You should ask him. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Do you find me more attractive now that you've seen my hand up a goat hoo-ha? I mean, I, I, I mean, I do feel a little different. Like, that is the hardest thing. 
that I've had to do on the farm so far. Yeah, that's badass. And I've had to do some pretty hard things. So I feel like that's really confidence building because I know I can do those things and survive. And even if we hadn't have had a good outcome, I think I would have been able to work through those feelings eventually. Right. Because we've had death on the farm before. So there are just some things that are out of your control and there was nothing different I could have done in her prenatal care or her nutrition or anything to prevent something like that from happening. Yeah, it just happens sometimes. Uh, But I do suggest the book. It's Holistic Goat Care. They have diagrams in it that show all the different ways baby goats can present and gives you step-by-step instructions for getting them unstuck, which is incredibly helpful. Now, my situation wasn't in the book, (laughs) but it's because it was just like two kids tingled up in each other with the back feet presenting like that is just something that was totally out of the ordinary. But like, you know, there's a bunch of different ways the kid can come out like with the if the head is back too far, you know, you've got to reach in there and pull the nose forward and then you can usually get them out or sometimes one leg is sticking out and one is tucked under you reach in there, you grab the one that's tucked under straighten out their body and then they come out so the book is really good for that so if you're feeling unsure of what you might need to do if you ever have to go in to pull a kid out worth its weight in gold to have those diagrams and have those step-by-step instructions and you're not going to remember it all you're not going to follow the instructions perfectly but having that prior exposure to it gives you at least some like something to fall back on instinctually I think and I had read that section a dozen times before she gave birth the last the last time so yeah so you were ready yes I was as I was as ready as I could be without having done it before for sure yeah so we'll put a link in the show notes to that book awesome (laughs) that was a long one guys yeah I would like to know, I would like all of our listeners to go into our Facebook group, though, and tell us about any goat birth experiences that you've had, because I'm sure that you guys have a ton of stuff to share and have seen stuff that Sam and I haven't even fathomed yet. So please share those with us, because they can be a good collection of knowledge for people to build on for when they start their goat kidding adventures if goat farming is for them. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure like 10 years ago that you would never think that you would be taking a bath with two baby goats in your bathroom at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Jared was pretty mad at me because he thought that I was bringing them inside to like stay. Oh, no. (laughs) It was just to warm them up because it is important. Like I've had ones that I've just had to warm up and then they perk right up and they're fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's not like they were in bed with you. No. (laughs) Tempting. (laughs) Just snuggle up with all of them. Just go to sleep. Like go cuddle puddle. (laughs) Today's episode is sponsored in part by Sweeter Heater. The Sweeter Heater is a safe alternative to heat lamps. It has no hot spots, develops a uniform heat pattern, and has a three-year warranty. Sweeter Heater is designed to warm the animal, not the environment, and is fully adjustable to maintain the ideal comfort level for your animals. The Sweeter Heater's soft, safe, gentle infrared radiant heat has been tested and proven by customers since 1995. 
go to sweeterheater.com and use code DRINKANDFARM to get 15% off one or more heaters. That's sweeterheater.com with code DRINKANDFARM, all lowercase. All right. So to round out today's episode, we're going to remind you kindly to leave us a review. And you can do that over on Apple Podcast, or if you can't figure out Apple Podcasts or don't have it, don't want to download it, totally understand. So your other option is to call and leave us a voicemail with your review, and we will play those intermingled into the written ones. And that still qualifies you to win a free coffee mug. So what we do is we take the reviews that we read from the month and draw a name out of the hat for that person. And they win that coffee mug that is not and never will be in our shop. So make sure you leave some kind of identifier, like an Instagram handle in the review, so we can find you. Yep. All right, Bev, do you want to read this week's review? Sure. All right. All right, this one is from T. Powell 1030, and it says, long time drinker, first time farmer. (laughs) I love that. Same. (laughs) I can't believe that somebody else hasn't written that before. It's so good. We bought a large farm last year, totally spur of the moment, and we decided we could be farmers and ranchers. You ladies have been a godsend. Clearly, I know very little about farming, but here you are to save the day. You're teaching me all the things, sharing drinks, making me laugh, and keeping my stress down. Keep up all the great things. Thank you. Hooray. Awesome. I love that you just decided to be a farmer slash rancher. I mean, that's really all it takes is you just got to take the leap sometimes. So super proud of you for jumping in. I'm glad we're here to help. Yeah, for sure. That is why we do this. That's exactly right. (laughs) All right. So just a few quick things before we wrap up today. We do have a series over on our Patreon called Straight No Chaser. And this is available to our patrons at the $5 level and above. So if you want to check that out, you can go to patreon.com slash farm to sign up or upgrade if you're already a $2 person. This is a great way to support the podcast. It's not free for us to do this. We have two team members that we pay to produce this podcast. We've come a long way over the past, what, four years? We're going on four years now. I think, shoot. Well, I've been in this house for five. Yeah, it's our fourth anniversary in March. Yeah. Yeah. So... We've grown a lot because of you all, so we appreciate the support. Yep, we do. (laughs) And make sure that you take a look at the show notes. You'll find links to some of the products and things that we discussed in this episode, a link to a survey so you can tell us how we're doing anonymously, all of our social media links, and a link to our merch shop. So that's it. Yeah, for sure. That was a lot. It was a lot. It feels kind of silly to say that's it because that was a lot and... I think what we've learned today is that Bev is a badass in in a non-sexual way. I find you more attractive, (laughs) even if Jared doesn't. (laughs) I admire you so much for gloving up and going in on your first witness birth. That's such a big deal. I hope I never have to do it again. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully that was like your, your quota and the rest of them are smooth sailing. But it's awesome that you could share that experience today. So thanks for doing it for the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> I'll tell Donk's thanks too. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> so until next time, drink, farm, and, and give zero clucks. <laughs> Bye.
We drink things, we fart things, we drink and 